You do have such such an incredible story. Let's start at the beginning. This is why I'm passionate about rock bottom to a new beginning. I've been rock bottom twice. I suffered from a really severe case of anorexia nervosa. Grade 12, I'm like 28. 28 kilos. I mean, how tall were you? I have the same height. My husband and I were actually drug addicts for two years. In 2015, my dad actually committed suicide. I think once we fell pregnant with Lincoln, life just had to get on with it. I had to get myself out of that. How did you come out of that? Welcome back to another episode of She's Taking Over. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited because I've got Maddie Mortimer here with me and Maddie is a client of ours, a client of Big Appetite and a woman who I find so truly inspiring. And what I want to do really is give you a space to share your story of how you came and took over your own life and um, very much suited to to the, the message that we're trying to push here. And I think... Um, yeah, I'm just so happy to have you here and to give you the give you the space to inspire other women who or anybody listening to this who's really felt like they've hit rock bottom and lost hope um, to, to then create a new beginning. And I think that is something that you do so well. So thank you for joining us oh, today. Thanks for having me, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maddie, I want I want to ask you a couple of questions about your journey into business because for those who don't know, when we well, when we first met, you know, the way that in which we I onboarded you into Big Appetite was quite different in the sense that I was in Bali when I took our um, initial consult or our sales call, mm-hmm. and I remember talking to you for like we were on the phone for an hour, yeah, you know, and, and you were quite nervous to get started. So let's go back there. Where were you? What was it like for you? I think it was November or October, November. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your goals and what, what what did your business look like then? Okay, so back in November, I back in that November, I had just had a girl that was helping with my marketing to some degree sort of pick up, leave me very suddenly and move back to a full-time role within like a council position. And she could no longer help me. And I just sort of kind of just was like, I need something. I need someone. I can't do this on my own. Um, and rather than pussyfooting around and just keep getting people that were still kind of learning and they were still trying to find their feet. So it was something that I could like easily sort of do. I just went, you know what? I've wanted to engage Jenna for a very long time. Just make the fucking phone call. Like just just say, Jenna, I need to talk to you. Like, yep. And it just sort of went from there. And like you said, we just spoke for like ages. Yeah, yeah. I found your position so interesting because you were working with NDIS clients mm. and you are, you are in country – Australia, where are you from? Gundawindi. Gundawindi. <laughs> How far from the coast is that for anybody uh, listening? A long way. So 450 kilometers from the Gold Coast, thereabouts. Obviously west. <laughs> yes, west. Duh. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, no, so I remember talking to you and you said to me on the call, so like obviously what's included, and I was like, we build your offer, we build your systems, and we go to market and we launch. And I distinctly remember you saying, launch to who? <laughs> Who's going to buy it? And I don't want to be the face of my business. I'm not going to jump around on TikTok. That's what you said. I definitely did, yeah. Yeah, and I remember thinking, you got to walk before you run and I don't want to like, if you have to explain too much on a sales call, you've lost somebody, right? But I just really believed in you so much and I could hear it how hungry you were for what what we've um what we've done essentially and yeah. i was just like you're just going to have to trust me and, and mm. come on board and what were you trading as 
um, a limitless human at the that's time. That's right. That's yeah. right. So I remember after that, um, well, we were discussing targeting rural Australia every day, Australians, people who have actually hit rock bottom, um, using drugs or alcohol in the country, lower socioeconomic areas. And it's quite a challenge as a marketer to reach that, that demographic because they don't engage as much. They're not necessarily following Fitzbo people. They don't care for bodybuilding training. Mm-hmm. Um, and they definitely don't want to change their nutritional habits too much. And um, very challenging. Yeah. And I remember as well, like when, when we started working together, I was also quite, Im- I was very invested and I was like, we've really got to find a way to package this offer so that it resonates so strongly with the, whoever hears it. Because I knew at the start, we would be preaching or launching to your immediate network, right? Yeah. Which you didn't really want to. So um, how did how did we do that, I guess? What, where did we, where did you start in terms of your picking up your first clients? Because another really proud success story that I share is how you made $10,000 in revenue in your first week. Yes. So we was through an SMS campaign, like a win back campaign, email marketing. I just basically like you said, do A, B, C and D. And I just went tick, 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 tick. And it just kind of worked. It just worked. If I'm being honest, like that's kind of was like, I might've executed, but like at the same time, I just followed a plan yes. that was given to me. I love and I, that. And I just kind of followed it, did exactly as it was written, and it worked. And you didn't even yeah. jump on TikTok. <laughs> and I didn't even – I still don't jump on TikTok. Yeah, and I think as well something that's really powerful is the ability that you have to relate and to resonate with your clients. And yeah. it's such a – fitness coaching and health coaching is so much more than just how to eat and how to move. I remember when you first came to me – um, I think one of our meetings you, you were late to or had to reschedule and I, and you're like, oh, I just went to my client's house to clean her house. Yeah. She wasn't feeling good. So I went over there and I helped her clean her bedroom and clean her house. I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> well, it, to me, it was like, well, she was having trouble sticking to the plan. Like she was not executing on her plan at all. Like there was always an excuse, always an excuse. And then I don't know how it came up. But generally when I walked into this particular client's house, it was always somewhat messy. You know, like the kitchen was messy, like things, no judgment, but it was all I could sell. There was very cluttered. Like, and I'm, and I'm very bad. If your external environment is very cluttered, if it's not, if it's not organized to some degree, your internal environment's an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. And she lived at home with her parents. Um, and I said to her, what does your bedroom look like? And she was like, oh, we don't go in there. And yeah. I was like, well, now you need to show me. And we walked in, I was like, well, this is the problem. Like, we've got to fix this problem because how the hell are you going to function in this environment if you can't execute and fix that? Well, then you can't you can't do the rest because you can't organise this part. How are you going to organise the rest of it? Yeah. The part that's really difficult. Um, so we just started there. Yeah. And it was, she was like, she was almost like a golden client from that point forward. And I loved this about you because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And it's very hard to sell that, you know, Maddie's a very genuine human and she cares so much so deeply about how you do one thing is how you do everything in the lifestyle that you live. And for me, it was like, okay, we, we came up with functional fat loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was in the shower and I Googled it as soon as I got out and it was available. <laughs> and I was like, Maddie, we've got to get on. Maddie hadn't even signed up yet. <laughs> and I called her back after our sales call and I was like, I've had an idea. This is what we have to call call it. This is what I think we need to do and it's available. And you're like, okay, I'm doing it. We're doing it. We're, We're doing do it. it. And I remember <laughs> you saying to me, this money is, I've got to renovate my house with it. Yeah. 
And you were quite scared to get started. Yeah, I was because we've got like for us to have built to the point that we had by the time like I was talking to you, like financially built back to where we were, that money, there's so many things that we're trying to achieve between my husband and our family that that money was kind of for, it was for renovation. We'd sort of set aside for that. And I had to really be able to go back and talk to my husband and be like, look, you know, have that conversation. Be like, I want to spend this on X, Y, and Z and have that conversation with him. And I remember saying to you, if I do this, it has to work. Like I can't, I can't afford to throw this amount of money at anything unless it's going to come, unless it's going to come back. Like I have to make sure that this plan is going to work, which is why every time you've told me to do something, I remember actually when I was doing my like filming for my, my weekly content. And I remember at one point you being like, you need to slow down. I need you to, I need you to slow down because you're too far ahead of us. Yes. Like. <laughs> yes. You were panicking. The panic. I remember you coming to me like, when am I going to get this? When am I going to get that? I'm like, it's coming. Just trust me. But you, you actually did action everything really fast. And I remember you saying to me, I need this to work. And I sent yeah. you an email, which I would probably never send again. And Why? the, the lesson, well, I just really, I really believed in you. And I just said to you, it will fucking work. I knew you would, I knew you had it in you, but I can't say that to everyone. I don't like, to be fair, it does work. The plan works, but you yeah. have to show up, yeah, you know? Well, and right. I think, yeah. and I remember at the time, you know, you had your personal Instagram, you're like, do we change it? And I said, no, I think we've got to run with this one. Yeah. And it really is essentially like starting from the start, the way that you started showing up with this new direction. And, um, you were very coachable and very open to receiving and, and it did work because you, at the start, you were just practicing, you know, putting it out there. And now yeah. in such a short amount of time, you've really come a long way with how you uh, market yourself. But yeah. you mentioned something about building back up. Mm-hmm. You know, you and um, you and your husband have built your life back up from, from where it was. And for yeah. those who don't know, you do have such, such an incredible story. I, I remember getting off our session when our first session, our first call, when you told me um, about your life and I, I called the girls, like the, the, the team, and I was like, this new client is fucking incredible. Like she's blown my mind. So um, for those who don't know, let, let's let start with, I mean, the the let's start at the beginning, I guess, beginning. for you. Okay. What, take us back to, to where, where it began. <laughs> okay, so there's two aspects to like, so this is why I'm passionate about Rock Bottom to a New Beginning. Because I've been rock bottom twice in my life proper um, in two different total areas. So from the ages of 13 to 17, I spent the majority of that time in a child psychiatric ward. I spent more time in the child psychiatric ward than I did out of. Um, I suffered from a really severe case of anorexia nervosa. Um, I was classified as one of the top three worst cases that the head psychiatrist for child eating disorders in Australia has ever treated and the other two girls um, have since died um, and I had to I had to get myself out of that so I so from 13 to 17 in the hospital and then at 17 they pretty much said to my family like well, you either need to send her to an adult psychiatric ward or you can take her home if you take her home she's gonna die but it's up to you um, we're going to stop the, cause I was on like an involuntary treatment order at the time. So mm-hmm. I had to pretty much do what was, what I was told. Um, we're going to take her off that now that she's, that she's old enough. Um, 
you can take it home. You can either choose to put it back on that and send her to the diet cycle ward, yeah, or, or take her home and she'll probably die. So I left the hospital and very quickly I went from whatever my discharge weight was, was down to like low 30s. Um, and I went to my grade 12 form. 30 kilos. I went to my grade 12 form at 28. 28 kilos. 28 kilos. I mean, how tall were you? I'm the same height. Now. 28 kilos. 28 kilos. So to put that into perspective, that's literally half the amount that I weigh now. You're in, you're tiny and in great shape. And that how how did you come out of that? So I get asked this a lot. I actually went back to see my psychiatrist, my psychiatrist about like um, actually I think just before I had Lincoln, my son. Oh no, just after I had Lincoln, I went back and saw my psychiatrist um, just to say, hey, still alive. Um, and he asked me the same question. He's like, how did you do that? Like I thought, you, like we just all thought that that was it. You know, we were going to hear that next minute the headlines and money's died. Um, and I said, I don't actually know. Like for me, I know the turning point of the morning, but I think the biggest thing is for me, when you live in a child psychiatric or any sort of psychiatric or even rehab, whatever, right? You live there for four years. So as, as you always say, the people that you spend the most time with are the people that you become, right? Yeah. So when you spend four years of your life, literally around people that are self-harmers, eating disorders, um, that, you know, they're bulimic, anorexia. Like I went to, I went, I was in the hospital with a girl that had set herself on fire. Do you know what I mean? Because, because she was such a severe case of like suicidal and self-harm. You surround yourself with those people for long enough, it becomes normal. That's normal. It becomes normal. It's like if you go to jail, you're going to become a better criminal. You go into psychiatric world, become better being, having an eating disorder. So the thing was for me, I think when I came out, then I had to go back to school. I still had one year left of school. And then I had to start hanging around normal kids. Mm-hmm. They were doing normal things. They were wearing normal clothes. They were going to school. They were going to parties. They were, you know, they were getting drunk. You know, they're doing this fun stuff. And I think although I got significantly worse first, like I said, I went to the great for like 28 kilos. My mum had to come to my, um, the after party with me because she knew and the girls actually we actually had it around the corner from my house at Amy's house because they knew they that I wanted to come and that I'd pretty much have to be carried home because I'd be just too exhausted so that around the around the corner and I think slowly I started to realize like what I was missing out on like just slowly like day by day and my mum will always tell you that my recovery was worse than my illness um and she and I remember I woke up one morning and I said to my mum would I be a pig if I had another bowl of cereal? And she knew right then and there, I can remember her face. Like she was like, don't make a big deal of this. Do not make a big deal of this. It's like Christmas no, morning. No, like that would Christmas. be totally fine, Maddie, if you did that. You do, if you feel like that's what you want to do. I remember her like reaction. I was like, I know what you're doing. Anyway, I ended up having it. And like I said, the, my recovery, that wasn't just the turning point that it was all good. Like it, it was, it's rocky from that point. Um, and the problem with the eating disorder was it really tore my family apart too. Mm-hmm. So you've got like mum pretty much like living at the hospital with me. You've got dad, you know, doing, you know, trying to hold the, the you know, the, the fort. And then you've got Tyler who sort of felt like, you know. Yep. Tyler, her brother. Sister. Sister, yeah. Um, that sort of felt, I guess, like, you know, she'd lost me. She kind of lost mum. Everyone was just so disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, um, in 2015, my dad actually committed suicide. 
Wow. So I think that was a snowball effect from quite a few things. So like you've got like they had some business stuff happen, but I think a lot of it's like it stemmed back from like as early as my eating disorder. Like I think he blamed himself for a lot of stuff, you know, yeah. not getting me to the hospital early. And I'm just seeing treatment early enough. And then I think there was a few other things in his life. And I think that they're, you know, it just imploded for him, mm-hmm. um, which then led to my second um, rock bottom where my husband and I were actually drug addicts for two years. Mm. So between the two of us across the two years um, from about two, was it 2015 to 2017? Um, yeah. So like we were drug addicts, so full blown thousand dollar a day, intravenous use, methamphetamine yep. drug addicts for two years. This is, this, <laughs> okay. So it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. And I was having, how long a, you got Jenna? I was in how as long as for you all the time in the world, but <laughs> I was actually having a chat with somebody this morning mentioning that you were coming on the podcast and how excited I am. And I I do believe everybody in health and fitness has a story. Yeah. I think um, I've never met a personal trainer and I've met many. I've never met a personal trainer who says they grew up wanting to be a trainer. It's their life events that, that cause them to, to want to coach and teach others. And um, how did you turn around from you and Wes from the thousand dollar a day Habit. Drug habit. Mm. I know it was when you got pregnant. No, so before. So a little bit before. So I think, so what happened was like the, you know, like the drug addiction starts, starts off fun. Let's be real. Starts off fun. And then slowly as the years goes on, it gets you goes from like being like fun to, okay, now we're like every day the purpose in life is to wake up and find drugs. That's it. Like if you open your eyes, if they're not still open from four days ago, that like from sun to sundown, like your only job is to find drugs. That's yeah. it. Don't need to worry about anything else. Um, and eventually you run out of money. Eventually you run out of ways to rob Peter and Paul. You know, yeah. like there's eventually, and everyone like, eventually you sort of get to a point where people, they'll stop answering the phone. Like my, I mean, it got to the point where my mum, I remember being across the road from my mum's house at Runaway Bay and her saying, and me like we, we need somewhere to sleep for the night. We had four dogs, we're living in our car um, and we need somewhere to sleep the night. So we're kind of just couch surfing, you know, from like drug house, drug house, drug house. And we need somewhere to stay that was like normal for the night. And I remember pulling up across the road from the park, calling my mum and her saying, you're not coming in. That's it. Like you, you've got one option, it's go to Gundy. That's it. You come in the house, I will call the police. Really? Yeah. She was she just scared of you? No, 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 it wasn't scared of me. She just knew that it had come a point where she's like, if I don't put my foot down, right now because she knew that we could kind of keep doing what we were doing if there was always this little safe haven all the time like to come back come back and it was kind of almost like enabling but her intentions were always good you know okay and she just said she knew we needed to get away from where we were yeah and we and she just said like the only option is Gundy so we had to get in the car I remember she gave me $300 she drove around to the ATM she got $300 out and she gave it to me she said that's the last money I'm going to give you and what did you do with it uh, we bought drugs with some of it. Okay, yeah, <laughs> some of it. Because that's what you do. Um, and then the arrest, we put fuel in the car and we drove to Gandhi. And then was this the start of a new life? So it was the start of a new life. I remember we drove in the driveway that night. Was his mum, Daniel, were coming. He'd been very disconnected from his family during this time. Still spoke to them and stuff, nothing bad. Yeah. But I remember when we drove in the driveway that night, because we turned up at like, I don't know, 8 o'clock at night or whatever. Um, and there was an ambulance in the driveway. I was like, where the fuck's an ambulance in the driveway? At his parents' place. At his place. parents' place. Yep. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? So we get there. Was his sister's there. His mum's there. His dad's there. Everyone's there. And 
there's Naomi to say, and they're attending to Wes's mom. Mm -hmm. Anyway, those who she, they thought she was having a heart attack, but she was actually having like a full-blown anxiety panic attack because we were coming. Not because she didn't want us to come, but because she knew the state that we were in. She knew that like, you know, she hadn't really spoken to us for so long. Like it was just a so emotionally overwhelming that she went into such a panic that they thought she was having a heart attack. Um, and it kind of just, it was a very slow process from there. So we then got clean because um, it was, you know, we were in a different place. So the, the, the availability to get drugs wasn't there. And within four months of being clean, we fell pregnant. So we were clean before we fell pregnant. There was no crossover between drugs and, and pregnancy at all. This is so fascinating to me. I, you are an incredible human. You've been through so much, you know, the, the loss of a parent, your health, and, and then to come through this with your husband. And I, I love that you guys are still together. I love your stories. I love your beautiful family. I love seeing you guys on the farm with I your dogs. You. Like, yeah, knowing, knowing, knowing what you've been through, I think sometimes I would just, I don't know how I would deal with something like that, but it's like that can tear people apart. And yeah. you guys made that choice together. And um, how did you get clean? How do we get clean? So for us, like I said, when we moved back to Gandhi, there wasn't the option to get it anymore. You know, you, all the contacts were so far away and also had no money. You know, there was like, you know, there was very little money to be able to get it. But we didn't use rehab, that we didn't have to use any rehabs. Um, and I think it was very much like the eating disorder, kind of just, I think we kind of just had this ability to be able to go, well, that, like that's that's done. We're just going to do this now. You really? know what I mean? And we were just able, because again, I've had people say like, how did you guys go from that? People that are using like you guys were, don't do that without rehab. Like it's, it's and we did it without rehab, but it was a very, very rough road. Like, so we had like a drug counselor that we're just seeing that was actually another story for another day, court, court appointed um, uh, drug counselor that we had to see for a period of time. She was amazing. She was really incredible. Um, then I then I started started seeing like another kind of like therapist in town. But from that, but we just had to. I think once we fell pregnant with Lincoln, life just had to get on with it. Like Wes had to go back to work. I had to find something to do as well. And it was like I remember when you come off like meth. There's no for us. There was no like physical withdrawals. It was all psychological. So there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety attacks. Like that's how it came out for us. And I remember Wes would be going to work each morning and he'd be like vomiting on the way out the door. His anxiety was so bad because they say that it takes 18 months for your brain to start functioning normally again after the last months. after the last time you've used. And if you get eight months in or 10 months in and you use again, you start again. Oh. The brain, the neurological stuff that happens, it kicks you all the way back. Yep. Um, so it was just, and once it was almost like, and once we got to that 80 month, two year mark, you could feel like your thoughts were different. Like you're clearer, like the, the things you're thinking about are so much. Different. How long was that? A good 18 months to two years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's so, that's so impressive. I think it's, I couldn't, I can't imagine how hard it would be just to stop something that is such a crippling habit. You know, like you let it take you out of your home. You let it take you away from your family. You let it put you in a car with four dogs. And then all of a sudden you're like, no. Nah. I'm done. It's mm. it's an incredible, you have an incredible um, part of you that is so strong, this willpower and, and determination to be able to, to, to turn around your entire life for the third time. You yeah. actually are so, so incredible. And Let's hope there's a little more. What, what, did you, what did you start doing when you said you had to start making money? 
Um, so I didn't start making money essentially until Lincoln was like mm, 18 months or whatever. Oh, 18, 18 months old or whatever. Oh, no, I lie. No, I lie. Sorry. After Lincoln was born, no, while I was pregnant, I cleaned motel rooms. You cleaned motel rooms? I cleaned motel rooms. That was terrible. That was actually, you know what? I lie. It wasn't that bad. How long ago was this? That was while I was pregnant. Okay. So for, cause I had to get work. I had to do something cause we yep. had no money and we had a baby coming and we were like, you know, and Wes was like, you know, he was back full-time work and all that stuff, but we had no money. We had a baby coming. So I worked for cash at the Bournemouth Hotel in Gundawindi a few days a week and cleaned hotel rooms. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And you, you now have a very successful online coaching business <laughs> and I want to know how we got there. So bridge that gap for me from um, cleaning hotel rooms. When did you decide that you wanted to help other people get healthy. How did this, how did health really become your main focus? Um, so when, I think it was about in 2000 and, no, I think it was born 2008. It must have been 2008 or 19, right? I decided to get my PT ticket and my nutrition and my, no, just my PT ticket at that stage. Yep. yep. And I started Blue Sky Fitness. Was that your company? Yeah, Blue Sky Fitness was my first business. Tell name. me about that name, Blue Sky. <laughs> Blue Sky Fitness. So Blue Sky Fitness was my like boot camp. I did like boot camps, right? Yep. In the park and it was Blue Sky Fitness because it was outside. Yes. So it made sense. Um, and that slowly evolved. COVID hit. No, doing PT clients and then Blue Sky Fitness. Where we're at. Then COVID hit and I had to pivot. So when I pivoted, then I started doing the NDIS because they would come to my house. Yeah. Um, so that kind of kept cash flow going. And then I did my nutrition ticket, my nutrition certification um, and then pivoted everything online. Okay. Kind of went from there. And tell me now, what was it about having a health and fitness business that really just made you decide I'm going to keep going with this? Like what was, what were you, what was your goal? What, what did you decide to chase when you came to me? What were you ultimately looking for so when i first came to you i think what i was chasing was one like structure i needed someone i needed i needed to know how to get from where i was to the next level like how to upscale how to get that growth because there's something the u.s say a lot it's like what got you he won't get you there yeah you know what i mean i knew that what got me to, to where i was was it was it wasn't i wasn't getting to the next point and I think even then since being with you and having functional fat loss, even the goal now has changed. You know, it's gone from, from me, the more I talk about like the rock bottom to a new beginning being like my, my mission, it's not necessarily just nutrition and training. Like I love that nutrition and training, but I love the idea of evolving that further into more like rehab, like mental health and stuff as well, but always bring it back to that holistic approach to it. Um, so yeah, that's sort of, yeah. I love that. And I think it's something that it's, it's definitely a journey, you know, yeah. and I get very excited, um, with my clients and obviously with you especially, but I get very excited cause I see the future, you know, I, I yeah. don't see the future, but I feel like I see the future, but I'm also, the future is bright. I get excited by your future is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and I also have to be mindful that I can't project my um, vision for your goals onto you. You know, yeah. when, when you came to me and said, I just want to pick up clients, I said, let's just get 20. Yeah. Let's just get your first 20 clients. Let's get you your money back. Yep. You know, that's what we were really focused on. Yes. Maddie's like, how fast till I make my money back? I've given you my money. How fast do I get it back? And in my head, I'm like, that's easy. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's just make you your money back. And then I love to plant the seed of growth. You know, I love to show 
what you can really start to do when you have time because going online buys you time. And when you have time, you can give yourself clarity. You can learn and you can start to discover other pathways that that may appeal to you and that's really one thing that I'm super passionate about giving to all of our clients is giving you the opportunity to find space where you're not coming from a place of need you know I think a lot of people need to fulfill or need to generate a certain amount of monthly or weekly revenue Mm -hmm. and they desperately need to get out of where they are when they come to me yeah but I would love to see what people do when they when they have choice you know and I think that's something that I've really seen with you now as your business has grown, mm. I love watching you create content. I love watching you go to speaking events. I love hearing you say things like, I want to do this or I want to create that. And it's a very um, exciting path now for our next chapter of working together because that's where the fun starts. Yeah, exactly. So yes. what has your business growth opened up for you? So since working with Big Appetite, mm. And since achieving your goals and growing online, where do you see the future for functional fat loss? So I see the future of functional fat loss being, like I said, evolving past just nutrition and nutrition. Mm -hmm. I keep feeling like saying it wrong. (laughs) Nutrition and (laughs) training. Tongue tying myself. Um, Evolving past that. I think I actually said to you a little while ago, like I'd love to eventually speak in like jails or juvenile detentions. You know what I mean? Like I wanna I wanna take it past just just the nutrition and training and be able to help those people, but still bring it back to that holistic approach of, of nutrition and training and health and fitness and all that sort of stuff. But be able to go into those areas and be able to help bring those people back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like to be able to do that. And I think that, you know, like start like you're helping me start my own podcast soon and just being able to go across more channels is really going to help with that as well. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's where I sort of see it going. Cause like, like the one thing I've really learned with you is what my like mission is. Like, I, I think it was always a little bit hairy fairy, but now that I know what difference I'm trying to make, I'm making a lot more strategic decisions about where I need to put my time. Like I'm not just kind of like throwing shit at the wall anymore going, fuck, will that one stick? Nah, that one didn't stick. Like I'm like, no, we need to do this. I love that. You know, it That's just, so powerful. Yeah. And sometimes I throw things at you and I know you say to me, woo, <laughs> slow down. Oh, I need like, to get you on a call. I need to call you. This is the thing. I <laughs> love the things. I'm like, oh, that one was a bad idea. I love the excitement. <laughs> I get peppered by my clients with messages and I just know that. I don't want to be a killjoy. Yeah. I'm not going to reply and say no, but I'm just going to call you and say, let's focus on the one yes. thing. Let's, let's do this. And <laughs> one thing at a time. coming back to talking to people in jails or, or people who have been in a similar position, I think when in, in our market, a lot of our clients, a lot of people who do know about me or Big Appetite, they come to us and they, they, they want to be like mm-hmm. the market leaders. They want to be like, you know, Lauren or Mark or my friends or and and they have a passion for bodybuilding training. They're they're eating fucking protein custard and jelly for dessert. They like the they like counting and tracking macros and calories. Um, their clientele want to train. Yes. And with you, I was so excited to work with you because I I did see a huge challenge. I was like, here I've got this client who's so hungry for success. Yep. But deep down, I was like tested as a marketer because you were the one of the first that that really we had a group of 
your target audience don't want. They don't want to go to the gym. Don't want they to get healthy. Not, not do they don't want to go to the gym. Doesn't matter how many training programs I give them, they don't look at them. Exactly. It just doesn't. It just like you want to throw shit at the wall and see if it's sick. Like that one ain't sticking. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Just, it's not their thing. They're not interested. But my clientele also don't need that to achieve the specific goal that they're trying to achieve. Like their life is a mess. Yeah. The last thing they need to do is a lot of them are too scared to walk into a gym. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it's actually not. It doesn't need to be their focus. And so I've been watching your testimonial videos that, yes. that we've been having edited for you. And the words of your clients, again, just touched my soul. And it's so different because they're not preaching PBs. They're not preaching weight loss. No. But what they are telling me or what they're telling the camera is how you change their life. Yeah. And I think in this industry, I see people overcomplicate their coaching methods as a way to position themselves as better. Mm-hmm. But really, you just have to get the result. Yeah. And you know your market so well because we created content for your client portal where they weren't tracking food and they weren't exercising, but you were still able to take res- get results off them, with them. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about that. What What is it that you do to create your service? Because for anybody who is inspired by this and wants to create an online business, the first thing is like, what do I sell? Yeah. And we always talk about selling the result and we pick that up from rock bottom to a new beginning. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like a lot, right? Like yeah. how do you take two different people in different rock bottoms, whether it's anorexia or a drug addiction, and take them to a new beginning. And and I know you know your market very well. So what are some of the methods that you use to identify your journey for the automation that we built? So the biggest thing that I do with my clients is listen. Because every single one of them has a different challenge. Every single one of them is somewhere different. Every, and so I almost, even though I've got my client portal and they all go through, so they all go through like meal plans and then they learn to track and then they... You know, and then the, my portal's more about like habit stacking, creating habits and learning about that sort of stuff. And they do little workbooks. And then they all go through that. There is no, like, I don't do anything that, like, they all do, I would do something different with all of them at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Depending on whether we're focusing on, like, for example, I've got a client at the moment who has been with me a long time and now she's going through a divorce. You know what I mean? So a lot of our calls, although she's still doing her nutrition and training stuff, a lot of our calls are around that. Just and then it just pivoted it. towards like how we can help her son with that. Like, you know what I mean? Like I I just customize like my approach to every single one of them um, to to really be, sometimes like I get on a phone call and for half an hour, I just hear someone talk. They just, they just like, I'm just the person they can vomit on for half an hour and then get off the call and be like, oh, thank fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we might not even like talk about that. Yeah, they did with their steps and stuff. That it's week, the you support know? that it's keeps... just yeah, it's just different. I think you know. So even though they still do, like a lot of them are, they they come to me wanting weight loss and they all get that. But we, but I I make them go deeper. Would you say that it's that level of support that you give to people that keeps them on track? I think so. Yeah, and I listen. Do you know what I mean? Like I think that's a big thing that some online coaches don't do like I, my, my, I do very different like a lot of online coaches and if you're listening online coaches a lot of them do check-in sheets and emailing and that sort of stuff which is fine when you've got like a big database and if, if everyone's just like training nutrition measurements blah 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 but for me like mine's zoom calls every week like they yeah. get one-on-one zoom calls almost like not like a therapy session but kind of like that there's that really like 
they can't miss their check-in. They can't forget to send me their stats yep. because they've got to answer the goddamn phone. Yeah. And if they don't, I'll call them again. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, I think I've just got a bit of a different approach to make it more personal. It's really, really you've mastered the art of coaching. Thanks, baby. And I think a lot of people... A lot of people try to grow an online business and they miss they miss the start. Mm. They want to go to 100 clients, but you wouldn't get 100 clients unless you had 20 people saying, she changed my life. Mm. And I think the problem is that people, they, you know, I think when you first start, you know what you want to charge you. There's someone that you're looking up to in the industry. But what I think that you don't see is they didn't just get there. Like, and what's worked for them isn't going to work for you because they've done all of this first to get to the, or they've lived through all of this to be able to do what they do, you know? So if you keep trying to just copy paste other people's stuff, that's why it doesn't work because it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Oh my gosh, Maddie, do you want a job? I would love to have you on the but, team. But the problem is that I've done it. Like I've done copy paste, copy, okay, what's Lawrence? Okay, I need to do video. You know what? I need to film myself in the gym. My clients don't want to see me training in the gym. Yeah. They don't give a shit. Yeah, like they don't care because they don't want to go into the gym, so they don't want to know how much I can squat. They don't care. I love this, and I think no? as a coach, you try and push your methods onto your people. But yeah. one thing that you you've you've really grown and elevated out of your market. You may have once been your market, but you you have an ability to see them and to adjust your service offering way back for them where, where maybe they're just cleaning their house and getting out of bed yeah. by 9 a.m. Yes. I remember you saying that to me. Some of my clients, I just tell them to have a morning routine. And I'm like, fuck, man. I'm like, this is where the, this is where the, the, yeah. the, the middle of Australia and, and, you know, not the middle of Australia is, but this is where a large portion of the market is. Everyone's trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel with bodybuilding clients and yeah. trying to charge or, or whatever. But it's like, go to go service the people who really need help. Yeah, that's right. They're the ones that need help. The people that are in the gym, they might need help to step on stage, but I can't do that. I yeah. can't help you step on stage because I'm not in, in shape. I'm not in a, in a physical shape to step on stage. You know what I mean? Like that's not my physique. You know what I mean? So I can't help those people. Yeah, well, you know your market. Yeah. And you've tailored your 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 messaging around your market, which I think is so um, – my legs got it <laughs> – which, which is so powerful. And I just want to know, so you have pulled yourself out, more or less with the support of others, but you had to make a, jo- a choice. Yeah. From rock bottom far beyond what most people would ever fucking comprehend. Yeah. More than once, three, four times. Yeah. How, like what traits did you, would you say that you had that really helped you and do you try and teach these traits to your clients? What, do you, what are some of the character traits that you think pulled you out time and time again? Discipline. Discipline. Just like you're not showing up when you just don't want to. Like, like for example, if I use my, my poor husband as an example again, like he didn't want to go to work. He was vomiting two, three times on his way out the door to get in the car. Do you know what I mean? But he just had to go. Yeah. You know, like, so I think discipline is what, like a really big one, just doing the stuff that you don't want to do because if you don't do it, if you don't do it, ain't no one else doing it for you. Yeah. No one's coming to save you. you got to do it yourself. Like people can be there to support you, but unless you put one foot in front of the other, unless you execute on the plan, yeah. it ain't getting done. Um, so I think that, like, that's a really big one. Um. So I think that's probably the biggest one. Like just like I had to get out of my own way. Me, we had to get out of our own way and just do the things that needed to be done. And they were hard as hell. 
Back then, did you think that you would be where you are now? Oh, God, no. What did you want for yourself just to be working in a motel or just clean? No, I knew that I didn't want to do that. But you know what I always thought I wanted to do? I always thought that I just wanted to be a stay-at-home mum. And as much as I love my son, God, I love my son, I do not want to be a stay-at-home mum. It is, like I should say, it's boring because you make beds, you wash dishes, you put clothes on the line, you put them away, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse. Do you do that anyway? I do that anyway, but I mean, I always thought that I just wanted to be the stay-at-home mum. I kind of thought that was just what I wanted to do. And then I realised that it's not not challenging enough. Yeah. It needs to be more than that, you know? So I don't think until I started fumbling my way through business – um, I don't think I, I – it took me – like what's been – Lincoln six. It's taken me six years to really find – and then you, finding you, finding like what the purpose is, what the passion really is. And like now we've found the niche. We, we've got it. Yeah, you yeah. really do. What advice would you give to any mom listening to this who wants to start her business? Just start. I know that sounds really stupid. But honestly, just like, just like actually just start. Because like I said, like no one's coming to save you. No one's going to do it for you. You're going to fuck it up. It's going to suck at first. The first thing you put out is going to be probably pretty crappy when you look back on it in five years. Like, well, I can't believe I did that. That's terrible. I just actually on the plane here looking at videos that I got my niece to take when I had Blue Sky Fitness of me taking boot camps terrible filming you would be absolutely mortified that i used to put all over my instagram my old instagram like i used to think that was the best i got my 12 year old niece to like somewhat put them together they're terrible well you continue to evolve (laughs) and i think that's the most important thing you just continue to evolve you're you're always going to be growing you have the ability to see past today you set goals and you take action and we can look back and be so grateful for the journey, yeah. right? I've looked back at videos and content recently. I looked back at my first ever digital product and, you know, my message is the same, but the, the delivery has changed, yeah. right? So where do you see yourself? What, if, if you had to look at the future version of Maddie three years from now, what's she doing? What's she doing? She's doing the same thing, just bigger and better. She's getting her husband to fly everywhere in his helicopter. <laughs> I love that. It's such a beautiful story for, for addiction. I think people who go through these things, and I only know what I know about it, but generally they need to shed their environment. And you guys did yeah. this together yeah. and you've got your family and you are building this life. You, you, you're raising a son and you're working so hard and, the values, your value system as a family is so strong and I see it. I see it in everything that you do. So um, I just can't be proud of you enough and I hope you keep telling this story. And for anybody listening, please reach out to Maddie. If you have a podcast, if you know somebody who has a podcast, get her onto it. If you know somebody who is suffering and they're at their rock bottom, if, if you know somebody who you think is too far gone. It's it's not too late until they're really gone. And it doesn't hurt to send them a message and just say, I think I know someone who can help you. Yeah, definitely. Because I've lost people to addiction and I just feel like it's it's this victim mentality that you just can't yeah. you can't get out of it. It's mm. too hard. 
It's too well, hard. It is really hard because, like, the mountain is – it's enormous because even though you've got the addiction, what people don't see is the – like, it's when you start to get clean, it's the debt collectors that call. It's the fact that you haven't got a house, that you forgot that you – when you left the last place, you didn't get a bond cleaned and someone's chasing you for money over that, that you didn't pay that electricity bill two years ago, that you've still got a credit card that you forgot you had because fuck knows where that went and, it, and you still owe a thousand bucks. And you've got, and every time you think you're on top of it, you get another phone like, oh, by the way, that hire card that you crashed, yeah, you still owe us 10 grand for that. You know what I mean? Like you're like, wow, like the mountain just gets bigger because you're getting, su- like, because one day just rolls into another when, you're, when you've got an addiction, you just forget about all the crap. You know, and then when you start to get clean, it's like you've got to face all of those bad decisions that you made. Every single one of them, you get smacked in the face with. And you have to like, and you have to fix problem to problem after problem. I remember we went to, buy, we went to buy a car um, after, I think, when Lincoln was a couple of years old. And when we went to buy the car, we had to borrow like 20 grand or something, right? And we got knocked back, I think, because we had, like, we had such a bad credit rating. So then we had to pay a company to fix our credit rating before we could buy a cut. Like it was just, and we thought we were on top of all of it by then. It's so hard to hear that because people choose that path because life is hard. Yeah. I think people choose that path for many reasons, but they don't want to deal with, face the music of a hard life. Yeah. And there's many, many different ways that you can end, become or get to where you got to, but to then have to, to climb a higher mountain on the way out, you really have to be led by purpose. And maybe it's because you had each other that, that, that you decided this is it, this is what, what we're doing and we're going to build that life. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Maddie, for coming on board. I can't wait to see what you do next. I'm so honoured to be a part of your journey and the people around you, you are a light. You're a beacon of light shining so bright over them. And I hope anybody listening to this, I think – as a younger generation, we all know the older generations that probably need a little bit of help in, in, that, in that regard in terms of drugs, alcohol, and their approach to weight loss. And I think you're the perfect person for it to help people get healthy. So Maddie, where can people find you if they want to reach out? So I only have one Instagram. I don't have two. So it's <laughs> Maddie underscore functional fat loss. M-A-D-I. M-A-D-I underscore functional fat loss. Um, otherwise, just website, functionalfatloss.com.au. Um, and I've got a LinkedIn, which is just Maddie Mortimer. I'm very, I don't have all the separate. Own it, girl. I'm very <laughs> proud of you. Thank you so much. You Maddie, you are taking over and I can't wait to see what you do next. And guys, if you love this episode, please do leave a review. Please share it on your story. If this touched your heart, if you're touched by Maddie's story, comment and let us know, um, what you want to hear of next, your feedback really helps me to get guests on who inspire you. And if you want to hear Maddie come on again, just let me know. <laughs>